Anything important going on in the political world right now? Anything at all? I spent this last week watching portions of the Republican National Convention. I'll be spending parts of next week watching uh, parts of the Democratic National Convention as well. And we are coming upon a time in the political season, in the political world, where we're going to be asked to make decisions that directly affect the, the future of our nation. Now, I have always said as a pastor that by the time I leave a church, I don't want anybody to know whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat. I still feel that way. It's not my job to tell you how to vote. It's not my job to tell you what to think. I think it is my job, though, to warn you about what is going to be taking place over the next several months. And it is my job to encourage you to accept certain actions or to take on a certain frame of mind as these things are getting ready to happen. Politics are not a very pretty thing. People are trying to get our vote right now. And as a result of the fact that they are trying to get our vote, they're going to be saying things about the other person that are less than charitable. But we have a picture in today's scripture lesson of Jesus telling us how we're to be responding at all times. And how we're to be speaking of people at all times, even during the political process. So while I'm not going to be political in the ideas that I've professed to you or tell you what I believe about different things, I am going to offer to you this. As Christians, we don't get a break during the political season. As Christians, we don't get to live one ethic for most of our lives and then for the last 90 days of the political cycle get to say whatever we want about someone else. And I see a lot of evidence of a lot of people, not necessarily in this congregation, Not necessarily not in this congregation. But I see lots of evidence of lots of people saying things and besmirching people's character. Things that they probably wouldn't say if we weren't in the middle of a political season. And so I want to take Jesus' words seriously this morning. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. Now in those words, I don't hear conditional phrases. That it's only if someone doesn't make you really mad by the things that they espouse. Let me ask you a question. Do you think politicians, political parties on the whole, are at times prone to envy? Maybe. Maybe a little bit of pride? My ideas are better than this other person's ideas, so I'm going to say everything I can in order to make that person look small and make myself look good. And maybe, just maybe, from time to time, does it lead to slander? Calling a person's character into question? Looking for the worst things to dredge out of that individual's character? Seeking things that you would never say to a person face-to-face? but become very easy to say when there's distance between you. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that? That when you're away from a person, it's very easy to say things that are slanderous, but when you're standing face to face, it's much more difficult, isn't it? And I've often wondered what would happen, well, we know what happens during debates. Sure, they still disagree. They're not in complete agreement. I don't think when Mitt Romney and Barack Obama get up on the stage for their debates that they're going to be talking about all the things they agree with. They're going to be discussing the things they disagree with. But it's much more difficult to attack a person's character and to attack a person's intent when you're looking face to face at them. 
And so I think that what we want to learn from Christ today is what James offers to us. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. I read something on Facebook the other day that absolutely turned my stomach. Members not, the person's not a member of this church. But the individual does profess to be a Christian. And the language that was being used and the accusations that were being made about the political person they disagreed with would have made a sailor blush. It was horrible. And I had two reactions. My first reaction was, do you really know this person enough to hate them to the extent that you think you do? And number two, what kind of a witness have you been about your faith? Because the same individual will go on Facebook and will post all the wonderful things about what Christ has done in their life. We'll talk about how much they love God, how great being a Christian is. And then to turn around and to say something as noxious as what I read completely defeats the Christian faith. What does Mark tell us, or James tell us? Or pardon me, Mark tell us. They defile a person. And what does James tell us? If they think they're religious but do not bridle their tongues, their religion is worthless. And it is. Religion doesn't matter when it's easy. Nothing in life matters when it's easy. You define character by how a person responds when things are difficult. Particularly when you disagree with another individual. I have very strong political beliefs. I'm sure most of you do as well. But that does not give me the right or the license to speak slanderously about the other individual. I read something the other day off of a website. A young lady wrote an open letter to people of all political persuasions. And I thought that I would offer it to you because I think it says what Jesus is trying to say. And it says it in very specific context for the political season we're in. Dear friends, family, co-workers, and anyone else I know. As we all know, there's a rather major election happening this year. I know, no matter how loud or quiet you are, you probably have opinions. You probably lean more toward one political party than the other, more toward one candidate than the other, more toward one side than the other, just as I do. You have strongly held beliefs about certain issues, just as I do. One of the great things about living in this country is our ability and right to hold and vote our political conscience for the things and people we believe in. That being said... As the election gets nearer and the tempers get shorter and the blood gets flingier, I want, to remi- rem- I want you to remember some things, please. When you post on Facebook that someone is too stupid to breathe if they vote for X candidate, you could be talking about me. When you write in your email that someone who votes for Y candidate is un-American, you could be talking about me. When you say that someone who believes that Z candidate is a better Paul has better policies should be taken out back and shot, you could be talking about me. When you say that you hope everyone who votes for XYZ candidate is rounded up before the election, you could be talking about me. When you say, post, share ugly words, thoughts, or pictures about people on the other side to support your political position, you could be talking about me. About me. 
or someone like me that you know, not just a random them, but someone you like or love, someone you may have known your whole life, someone you may think is intelligent, articulate, well-spoken, someone you may think is caring, kind, and giving. There is a person behind the things you say. When you say that all liberals are all conservatives, when you say that all Democrats are all Republicans, when you say that all of any group is, says, does, thinks, behaves, believes, hates, loves, etc., you're saying that about real people. Honest to goodness, flesh and blood, people. Not just ideologies, not just platforms, not just issues, not just politicians. Your friends, your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. Please, by all means, believe what you believe. Vote the way you want to vote. Engage in civil discussion about issues and platforms if you want to. Advocate strongly for why you think what you think. Use strong reason to, use reason to explain your position. These things make us better citizens, make us a better part of the political process. But when you start throwing those ugly words out, when you start sharing those ugly graphics and those hateful quotes and you point your fingers at those people, just remember you could be talking about me. Someone you know, someone you call friend, family, co-worker. But maybe that doesn't matter to you. Maybe it doesn't matter that you're saying I'm stupid, un-American, deserve to be kicked out of the country, deserve to die, don't have any compassion, don't care about my fellow citizens, or am a moron. Maybe it doesn't bother you because you believe so strongly that all people who believe opposite you are so wrong that you're willing to forget the people behind those beliefs, that they're more than just their political opinions, more than just where they fall on an issue or what candidate they want to vote for. But to me, it does matter. Because when this political season is over and the races have been decided, the nonstop political nonsense will die back down to a low boil. But you and I, we still know each other. And I'll know what you really think of me. And how can that not change how I think of you? Amen. Not to speak disparagingly of politics on the whole, but they really do create an environment, at least today, maybe it's always been that way, I don't know, where they really call on us to turn on each other. And if more people turn on enough other people, then their person wins. At the end of the day, though, the things that we say about other people reflect what we actually believe about them. And if we don't bridle our tongues, we are giving account for what we believe of them. And the hard thing is, when this political season has ended, you're not just going to be talking, you can't just take that all back. As if it was something that was just said, you know, over the course of 60 or 90 days out of your life, and then you can get on being who you've always been, and the other person can get on being who they've always been. The things we say now have long-lasting consequences for them and for us. See, the thing is, it's not just a matter of it being in our heart than saying it. Have you ever noticed that you reinforce things, you make them more concrete and stronger the more you say them, the more you think them, the more you believe them? I have. And I've had to make a very concerted effort to stop speaking from time to time because I know that my heart is starting to turn into something I don't want to be. 
I don't want to turn into the person who starts to criticize people. Not criticize. It's okay to criticize when there's just reason to criticize. But I don't want to be the person whose heart turns against somebody else over a political belief. Reality is none of us have it all figured out. We don't. I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. But you know what? If someday I find out I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But there's still you and me. And there's still the friends that you have who are reading those sorts of things and hearing those sorts of things. And there's still the heart that is becoming hard when we disparage people for those sorts of things. For the vast majority of our lives, save about 90 to 120 days out of our political lives, we just live our lives. But we've somehow been brought into this sense that that last 90 to 120 days, everything changes. And because everything changes, we get to say whatever we want about people. We want to win. Well, I think Martin Luther has a word for us this morning in this regard. In his small catechism, the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not bear false witness, he gives this explanation. We are to fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them, or destroy their reputations. Instead, we are to come to their defense, speak well of them, and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. Republicans, if... Barack Obama wins office again. We are to do everything to speak as well about him as we possibly can. And Democrats, if Mitt Romney wins, we are to do everything that we can to speak as well as we possibly can about him. We are to pray daily for the job and the responsibilities that they have been given. We are to hope that they will lead with the guidance, with God's guidance, and that they will seek out goodness. And we will expect that they desire what's best for the country. Not necessarily agreeing with their vision, but praying that whatever vision they have is one that God will lead. That's our role. And that's what we're to do. And we don't have to agree, but we do have to be civil. And we still are called to love one another, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we've got that out of the way. Now the question, I think, comes... How do we do that? How do we get from that point where we're tempted to press that post button or we're tempted to send out that email or we're tempted to say that slanderous thing among friends? One thing that I have learned is that when you do deeply care about what happens in the political process, 99 times out of 100, if you're speaking with someone you disagree with, it's best to just keep your mouth shut. Because you're not going to change their opinion. And they're not going to change yours. And the only thing that's really going to happen is that you're just going to make each other angry. And then what Paul or what uh, James is talking about here, what Mark is talking about here, that's what's going to end up resulting. So that's the biggest thing. I think if people could just keep a clamp on their mouth sometimes, they'd learn that a lot of the difficulties are created by ourselves. They don't need to be difficulties. But there are a couple other things as well. When you do feel compelled to speak on political issues, and actually this, this, is, this runs the gamut. This is just life. Kill sarcasm. Kill it. Take it out at the knees. 
Do not use wit to cut at the other person. If you have an idea, then move your idea forward by strong ideas. Don't use a biting, sarcastic, hard demeanor in order to get your point across. Because what you're really saying to the individual is you're stupid. And that is what we're saying when we use sarcasm. I'm going to explain to you how stupid you are. Maybe by not saying those words exactly, but I'm going to say it by getting across by this cute little witty whatever it is that I'm saying. So kill sarcasm. And the second thing is this. Try to find common ground. Try to find something that you can agree with with the other person. may not be much. But when we seek common ground, I think we are living the heart of Christ. Because we really can't do a lot with disagreement. All we can do with disagreement is just, okay, well, we disagree and then move on. Do you think, though, that most Republicans and most Democrats want to feed poor people? I do. I do. I know enough of both parties to know that they care about the poor, to know that they value life, to know that they pretty much value all the same things. They might have differing views on how to push that forward, though. So find those points of commonality and then work on those things rather than all the things that divide. And then go and vote whatever you think is going to be the best vote. Typically, the way that I approach politics now is this. I know what I believe. I just kind of keep it to myself. And then I go and press the little thing. I don't know how they do it in Indiana. In Illinois, it was still press the little thing. (laughs) And that's it. And then I move on. I'm not going to give in to the temptation and the forces that want to prey on my anger. And that is what's happening. Happened this last week. I heard a lot of it this last week. I bet we're going to hear a lot of it this upcoming week too. Never trust a message. Never trust a message that is calling on you to hate. It doesn't come from God. And I don't care what the message is beyond that. If it calls on you to hate another individual, and if it expects that you should speak poorly of the other individual, that's not coming from God. I guess what I'm really trying to get at is it's not just about not doing. It's not just about not saying stuff. It's not just about bridling the tongue. It's also about who we are in the positive sense. More than likely, a thousand years from now, the United States of America is not going to exist. Just looking at the whole history of the way the world works, probably not going to be here anymore. But your heart is, and your spirit is. And the person you're becoming today is going to have an effect on the person you are till the day you die. I don't know what eternity is going to look like as far as that part goes. I suppose we'll be entirely cleansed of it by then. But I don't think you're going to regret whatever happens in the United States and what the long-term consequences are for the country we have. I think you will regret, though, the things that you say. And I think what I want people to be, what I'm really calling on people to be, and what I believe Jesus is calling on people to be, is a sanctuary. Be a sanctuary from all that stuff. 
do people know that you're safe? That you, they can come to you and that you'll be safe harbor rather than biting and sarcastic and angry? Did Jesus bring people to him through bitterness and anger? No. Jesus brought people to him through compassion, by love, by forgiveness, by having a soft and a gentle spirit and a loving spirit. That's who we're to be, with opinions, but putting those opinions in their place. Realizing that having an opinion that disagrees with another person's opinion doesn't allow us to not be Christians anymore. It's at those times that we most need to exhibit Christian character. Love, peace, joy. So if you really want to live your Christian faith over the next 90 days, 70 whatever days, be entirely different than everybody else and love everybody anyway. Strike out that root of bitterness against the other person. Pray for that other person. If not for their win, and if not for a win, at least for the well-being of the person, at least for the wisdom they exercise. So we have not just an opportunity, we have a responsibility as Christians to see in the political process a continuation of the way we live as Christians, not a line of demarcation where we live our secular lives, our political lives one way, and our Christian lives the other way. It's all the same. And so that's what I leave you with this morning. Love Christ through the political process. And in loving Christ, love all of his creation. To include the politicians that you may disagree with. Of course, the politicians you agree with. But love Christ. Love your neighbor. And build up your neighbor, even the political neighbor. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us elected officials. You have ordained governments. And you've given us people who desire to serve. Not everybody's gifted in that way, Lord. Father, we have differing opinions on the best ways that our world should be governed. And I believe we hold those opinions strongly because we recognize what we have is a gift and we don't want to waste it or squander it. But Father, I pray that over the course of the next 70-something days that you would teach us to bridle our tongues. And not just to bridle our tongues, but to speak well of others, even those we disagree with. Help us always to remember that at the end of our words is another person and that you have called us primarily above all other things to love all people, to seek out the best for all people, to seek the highest for our neighbor. And so, Lord, help us to be good neighbors and help us to glorify you in so doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.